Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. So the kids get on these these games, these apps where they play games against each other and mm-hmm. stuff, but then a stranger can get in there, start talking to the kid. So you have to let your kids know, do not interact with people oh, you yeah, don't my know son. online or on the apps, period. Yeah, my son blocks all that, though. You know, my daughter don't play games, but my son, and, and if the kids are on there cursing, mm-hmm. he'll let us know. He's going to snitch them out. <laughs> He's going to snitch out. Wait, how old is Which son is How old is he? Ten years old. Ten years old, he's snitching? Oh, yeah, he snitched the football coaches out uh, two days ago. <laughs> he's in he's in uh, a camp, and the football coaches were cursing and, 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 you know, saying some stuff. He came he came home, him and his buddies came home and told, because they were uncomfortable with the language. Yeah. See, Key, I'm not. And I curse like a sailor same, at home. Same, same. And, and what I tell my girls, because so do they, because they hear me, is, and they're young, is, look, I'm not uptight about language in the same way other people are, other grown-ups are. If you need to express yourself, you express yourself. It's just adding to your vocabulary, really. Um, but you should know this, and I let them know. If someone else's mom hears you talking like that, they might not want their kid to play with you. Right? Yeah, like, just be see, aware my, of that. My... my I'm, I'm with you on on that with my kids. Express yourself. I get it. I don't really trip off of it. I used to trip when I was younger, mm-hmm. and my older kids were younger. Mm-hmm. I, there was all sorts of stuff that I couldn't tolerate or deal with. I've since I'm not like that anymore. Completely changed years ago. Mm-hmm. But my kids are some of the most respectful. I'm so proud. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where they got it from. They didn't get it from me. But I'm so proud of the respect level that they got for other people and other people's parents and other mm-hmm, kids mm-hmm. and thank you you know uh no sir yes not yeah yes you right. know just it, it's i don't know where they got it from i ain't get it from me you know so, what i have done with with my kids key from an early age is when they're talking to an adult they look them in the eye they speak up so they can be heard. You know, a uh-huh. lot of, yeah, yeah, that, all, all that. that stuff is important. It's all important. All that. No, it's so important to me. Although I, the, the number one thing is, and this goes for any kid, is that at least one grown-up, you know, loves them and takes care of them. If they got that, they're going to be all right. And then everything yeah. else is gravy, man. Yeah, I want my kids, you know, I, when I whenever I leave this earth, I want to make sure that I left my kids in the best situation and shape. In terms of respect and everything for everybody, I could I could close my eyes and rest peacefully, knowing that they are, are doing the right things by themselves and not only by themselves for others as well. Keyshawn J. Willemax is presented by Progressive Insurance. Key, here's Woj on how the DeAndre Ayton deal. Remember, he was offered he was made an offer sheet largest offer sheet in history by the indiana pacers 133 million dollars and the Suns, who were dragging their feet they didn't want to pay a center that much unless it's you know like Jokic or Embiid or someone like that um they immediately didn't wait till the deadline just match the offer sheet but here's adrian wojnarowski on how the eight and deal 
what kind of an impact it could have on a potential Suns-Nets trade for KD. Listen to this. Within moments of DeAndre Ayton signing a record four-year, $133 million offer sheet with the Indiana Pacers, the Phoenix Suns match that offer sheet. They'll retain DeAndre Ayton, the restricted free agent center. Now, they can't trade him until January 15th, and DeAndre Ayton has the right to veto any trade for the next year. So how that impacts the Suns' pursuit of Kevin Durant, well, it makes it difficult for them to have the necessary assets uh, to get a deal done for Durant. Remember, Devin Booker can't be traded for a year because of his contract extension. They had no interest in trading him anyway for Durant. And now Aiton, at least until January 15th, can't be moved. It will be challenging for Phoenix to find the kind of package they'll need to try to pry Kevin Durant out of Brooklyn. So does this mean KD will be a net until at least January 15th? I'm not so sure, Key. I'm not so sure. I mean, we saw what Daryl Morey did. uh, Excuse me. Yeah, Daryl Morey did with Ben Simmons. And he just held on to him, disgruntled, didn't matter, held on to him until he got what he wanted, which was James Harden. He wanted an impact player, not just a, not just a, not a jag, just a guy, but a, a high impact player. Um, and he did. He got him. Uh, look, Harden is diminished, but still, that was the idea anyway. And maybe Brooklyn does the same thing with KD, or maybe because KD really put them on the map. I mean, when he decided to sign with them, he could have signed with anyone. He really helped them out. Maybe he's like, look, on the strength, man, <laughs> trade me where I want to go, and they'll get the best package they can for him sooner than later. What do you think? Will he be a net until January 15th? I don't, you know, Max, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think he gets dealt before. Because there's, look, as I say in football, we ain't missing no time in the offseason. The games don't start till October. Mm-hmm. So they've got time to figure it out. There's no rush to doing it. If he truly wants to be traded, he's going to get traded. I don't know how you don't trade him because there's two things that could happen here, right? He does have a little bit of an injury history. And do we know that his heart is going to be in it if he goes back and have to play till January? Oh, he'll do it. He'll do it. He loves to play basketball. Yeah, until he doesn't love to play anymore. So, They've got to figure that out and measure that carefully. Because when I mean, you know, anything can happen between October and January. Now, what's the value? I think there's also, I I think they will deal him, and I'll tell you why. Well, first of all, the the basketball world's watching the Nets. They can't be incompetent and get nothing for them. But they, players want to see how KD is treated right now, right? You, if you do them, like Jeannie Buss, I remember talking about this when she extended Kobe. Kobe had just come off an Achilles, hadn't even played a game yet. They hadn't seen him run yet. And they gave him, and, and they were out of contract problems, right? And Jeannie handed him a two-year at the time. This was a very big deal. Two-year, $50 million contract extension. And I asked her why. We, you don't even know if he can still play. And by the way, he couldn't really. He had that one last game where he's dropped 60 because he's Kobe Bryant. But he was no longer in effect. Like, you know, he shot a lot, didn't shoot it very efficiently. He was coming off an Achilles. He was very old, played a ton of minutes. Gee, why'd you give him the $50 million extension? Now you can't afford to rebuild and everything. 
And she said the Lakers, basically her answer was the Lakers operate properly. They operate like a franchise people want to play for. They do the right thing. And, and you know, she was telling me how the league's watching and she wants to send a message that they do right by their players. But what I told her at the time, and I believe this is, you can say that. And, and maybe that's true. It has that effect. And a lot of people tell themselves this story. Well, the reason I'm behaving this way is because it's to my benefit eventually. It's just the right thing to do. People know the right thing to do. And, if, and the Nets, because KD chose them, he did not have to, he chose them, should do right by KD. It will have the added benefit of showing the league that they're a good organization, but, but they'll do right by him. And there's another reason, uh, Key. I've, you ever heard Arnold Schwarzenegger talk about lifting weights and how he did it? It's like on social media a lot. It makes its rounds on Instagram still. Schwarzenegger talks about when he was Mr. Universe, whatever, he would lift and he'd see other guys lifting the same as him, same weights, same reps, but you could see they weren't interested. They were just trying to get through it. And he was concentrating and putting his heart into it. So the same reps, same weight, same everything, one dude looked different than the other. And you can think about your own life. I think about mine. When you do something and your heart's in it, even the, the motion is the same. The results are different. If you put KD, I'm not saying he'll do a James Harden. He'll tank or anything. He won't. He'll hoop. But if his heart ain't in it, you ain't going to win. And the Nets have to know that, too. They got to deal him before January 15th, right? It's very difficult when you request a trade and they're actively trying to find a trade partner. At over the t- course of time, your heart will leave that organization mm-hmm. because you've already checked out. Checked out. You've already checked out. So thinking that, oh, no, he's going to play basketball. He, this is what he loves to do. It doesn't matter. Blah, 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 blah. And you try to force him back into a situation that he, his heart isn't in. Bad things happen at that point. Yeah, he'll give you thirty still, but he, it, the team's not going to win. It ain't gonna, it's team just, ain't going to win. It's not the it same. Don't 30. feel the same. Like he ain't going to be rallying the troops, doing timeouts. You know, instead of coming in at eight o'clock, he might come in at eight thirty-five. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's a different deal. Quentin Richardson. I'd like to bring you into this conversation, former NBA player, of course, and co-host of the Knuckleheads podcast, which cuts through the clutter and makes noise. Q, first of all, you think KD, the, the DeAndre Ayton situation, means the Nets won't deal him before the start of the season, or do you believe he'll be in another uniform when the season begins? Man, I, I honestly have no clue what's going to happen. Yeah, I was, you know, once he had officially came out and requested it, I was like, okay, that's that's it. Brooklyn is over, and, you know, that's in the rearview mirror. But, I mean, obviously, with the way everything is playing out, uh, I'm at the point now where I really don't know, if, if, you know, whether they get a chance to, you know, come back to Brooklyn for another year and give it a shot, or whether they really, you know, follow through with the, you know, trade requests and get traded. I mean, I don't know what, how it's going to go down because it's it's, it's kind of up in the air with, you know, especially after the Aiden trade, saying that he can't be moved unless he agrees to do it. So, you know, it's a tough scenario. Q, do you think at all? it would be tough to request a trade by KD. Kyrie, they want to move according to everybody. And then all of a sudden, they've got to come back now and rescind the request as well as trying to trade Kyrie for them to go back on the floor for this particular organization 
and play with their heart in it for the organization? Um, I don't think that's his, I mean, come on, kid. We know how it go. I mean, if we if we find our own motivation, we can we can do different things. I mean, we saw LeBron go back to Cleveland after the owner said what he said about him. I think I think this is a situation where if KD decided to go back, I mean, it's not as tumultuous as some of those others because it was something that he asked. It wasn't like the team tried to get rid of him and then he has a reason to be, you know, upset that he has to return there. Like, he requested to trust the trade, so if he decides that for whatever reason he wants to go back, I think from the player's perspective, it's a lot easier to do as, as, as compared to when the team tries to trade you, then you have to come back in that situation. Not a lot of players are going to want to do that at all. But I mean, with with it being that KD requested a trade, he can change his mind and be whatever. And I think from a player standpoint, it's it's a little bit easier to do in that situation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, play, player request. All right, I'll come back. Versus team, get out. We don't like you anymore. Yeah. And then oh, come play for me. Speaking of in and out and coming back and playing for me. The Jazz seem like that they might be on the move and making a deal potentially with the New York Knicks to get Donovan Mitchell. Is Donovan Mitchell potentially the answer to turning the New York Knicks organization around in the future? Um, I think he definitely is a is a great step in the in the right direction for the Knicks. If, if they can get him and this can actually go through, I mean, from, I I don't know him personally or well enough to know whether it's what he personally wants. But I mean. If they could get a young, you know, overcoming superstar, somebody who's a, a superstar level all-star player like him to add to that to that team, I mean, this this only helps what New York is trying to accomplish. You know, trying to get players that want to come there, and, and this is an all-star type player. That, that, you know, if if that's the case, and he wants to be there, this is this is unbelievable. I mean, all of the ties he has, New York seems like he really would, you know, be a good fit there. So, I mean, that, this could be a great situation for the Knicks if they could, if they could land a young star like him. Hey, Q, follow me here on this one, okay? This is why I think the Knicks could be in trouble with this. Because every time with Dolan, it's the same thing. He hires a new regime. He loses patience after three, four years. They're not making enough progress. And now they have to start to panic and make a big move to keep their jobs. Now, here's what I'm thinking. They got Brunson in the backcourt. Um, they got R.J. Barrett. Danny Ainge is going to, I think, make them think he wants R.J. Barrett. And they'll think, oh, no, we're going to hold on to R.J., give him everything else for Donovan Mitchell. Now you're going to have to pay R.J. off the rookie deal. You know, the rookie max, rather. You're gonna, right. You got Donovan in, in max, and your team, basically, that you're trying to win with is Brunson, R.J. Barrett, and Donovan Mitchell, and then whatever else you can fit around them, which ain't going to be much because you spent all your money. This is how the Knicks stay in, like, first-round playoff territory at best. Maybe they'll win a playoff series, and that's it. I think it's a dangerous trade for them if they're not careful. Um, I, I, I agree with that. It could, it, I mean, it's one of those things that could obviously go either way, but I think I think if Donovan comes there and he, he plays up to what the expectations they expect him to be, I think all that other stuff can be figured out, whether it's whether they have to give up RJ or whoever they have to give up. I think once you get him in there, you kind of you kind of deal with all those other things later. Because I mean, the, the thing that the thing that New York has been thirsty for is a is a star, is a young star. Mm-hmm. And I think you got to take it one step at a time. I mean, you don't want to like you know, like you say with the mellow thing, you don't want to just deplete the whole team and get him and have nothing left over once he comes. You still want to be able to do something. But you want to do the best thing you can to try and get that star because I mean everybody knows like if New York can get a star and get somebody that has you know 
that 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 magnetism to other players that they attract that they want to possibly play with them. And I mean, we don't know how that would work out for Donovan, but I think he would have a good good chance to you know to to sway people to come play with him. He's a good guy. He's well well respected, well liked. So I don't see why guys wouldn't want to play with him. So I mean, if he does those things. I think that's the number one reason and goal you go after him because you just want to try and get some type of superstar there to let them know that like okay look it's cool to come here we right. when they come here you gonna you gonna enjoy yourself you're gonna be treated like a king in New York and all of these different things I think they need to show that more so than anything else to try and get it's, these guys to start coming there because I think that's the real overwhelming the, like the overshadowing thing in the background of why the stars won't choose New York because they want to enjoy their money. They don't want to be ridiculed and criticized and all that. I think if somebody goes there and shows them how good it could be when you're there, if you're doing your thing, I think that could change that narrative for them. I think that's a great point. Let me ask you this, because to me, you like, is Donovan Mitchell good enough to be the best player on a championship team? To me, if the Knicks already had a guy a little better than him, then do whatever it takes to bring him in, right? But they don't. He's going to be their best player by far, um, unless R.J. Barrett continues to develop, which is possibly still very young. Uh, but if not, he's going to be their best player. Is he good enough to be the best player on a championship team? I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to say that he can't because he he hasn't been been put in that situation. But I mean, just from right now, from what he's proven, you wouldn't really necessarily just say that about everything that he's done. But I think he's in a situation where. If given that opportunity to, to prove that, we have to we have to see what he would do. Because I mean, he has shown in deep playoff runs that he can he can show up and he can be big time. So I mean, he hasn't really been given that full opportunity in that type of environment in the New York City where he's going to be that big spotlight. So I mean, I, I would say just give him his chance and see what he's going to do before I say he can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, Q, as a former NBA player and, and co-host of the Knuckleheads podcast and paying attention to all basketball things all your life. How come smaller guards that are the number one guys on teams can't seem to carry their team to a championship? And I'm not talking about the Steph Currys of the world because Steph is different. He's, you know, shoot. I'm just talking about that Donovan Mitchell style, size, that type of impact. Um, I think those situations are different, man. I think, it, you know, when you look at those guys, you know, they, they don't have the full, like, especially when you compare it to somebody like a, a situation like Steph. I mean, his compliment and everything that's around him is so great and so perfect. I mean, those, a lot of those guys don't have the, the compliments the right way. I mean, you know, you look at you look at what D-Wade isn't necessarily like a huge guard. He's 6'4", 6'5", whatever, and like, he was the lead guy because they had a great team around him, and he was he was prepared in that, in that, in that at that time to you know to take to him and go go where they wanted him to go. But I mean, I, I think I think it's tough, you know, when when you get when you get smaller guards and they don't have the you know the the right complementary pieces around them because it's it's for you to be the lead guy and to take them to like championship type rounds as a smaller smaller guard. You there's no way you can do that without the proper pieces. I mean. That's why what Alan Iverson did was so amazing. He had, I mean, offensively, he didn't have much to help him at all. He had great, great complimentary defensive players with the Kempe, Snow, Key, Lynch, and all those guys. They were great defensively, but we all know, honestly, that they weren't anywhere near 
you know, the compliments that he would have needed to really compete and win the championship offensively. So what he did was, was, was like having a Hercules effort going out there every night to drag them and, and, and to get them to that point. And that's, that's, that's extremely difficult to do. Yeah, I mean, listen, the short answer is the basket's 10 feet up in the air. It selects out for height. <laughs> you know, that's the reason that, that people are tall in the NBA. But in this shooting era, you if you're shorter, like, you know, you can still shoot the ball. And Mitchell's really more of a slasher than a shooter. But he would electrify Madison Square Garden and the entire city. There's Absolutely. no doubt about that. No one else is electrifying the Knuckleheads podcast. Quentin Richardson, co-host of the Knuckleheads podcast. Always love it when you jump on with us, Q. Appreciate you, fellas. All right, but Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. If you're a renter, make sure you're protected. Renter's insurance includes options that cover stolen property, personal injury, and living expenses if your place is damaged. Quote renter's insurance at Progressive.com. Should the Knicks give up everything to get Donovan Mitchell? We're going to talk about that coming up. I have a theory about that, Key. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, ESPN app. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome. So you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn J. Willemax, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive is proud to team up with Hello Alice to support small businesses. Get access to small business resources and learn about small business grants at HelloAlice.com. Joined now by the great Jeff Van Gundy, ESPN NBA analyst and former NBA head coach, of course. Coach, good morning, first of all. Morning. How are you guys doing? Good, Coach. Doing, Not bad. Yeah, always good to talk to you. Key's losing his voice. Uh, what else can I tell you? I'm uh, starving myself because I had retinal surgery. I had surgery on my retina, so I, I can't do anything or exercise. And it's summertime. I'm trying not to get fat, Coach. I'm starving myself. That's basically the extent of it. Um, you know what? I'm yeah. trying to do the same thing. I couldn't yeah. button my jacket during the finals. Yeah. And I am on intermittent fasting. And mm-hmm. it's not great because I'm no. intermittent fasting. With, I'm only using eight hours to uh, eat what I used to eat 
over like the whole course of the day. So I think I may be gaining weight on intermittent fasting. No, it's, it's like all the things are not. You just, you just, if you're not going to exercise or whatever, you just got to starve yourself. You just go to get the calorie deficit, and it sucks. I hate it, but I'm doing it. Yeah. All right. The Knicks are in talks with the Jazz coach on acquiring Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> I am. Uh, I have some trepidation about this. I see the way under Jim Dolan the team is run. You know, the regime, after three or four years, he loses patience. They make a panic move. Love Donovan Mitchell. But if they give up everything to get him, and they, he's on a max deal and with, with Brunson, and if they held on to R.J. Barrett, that's it. That's your team. How good do you think he would make the Knicks ultimately? Could he be the best player on a championship team if he gets traded to New York? Well, I think, you know, I, w- I was able to observe him and work with him. Uh, he was on our World Cup team a few years back, and I really like him as a guy. Um, he's also, like, a terrific athlete, explosive, can really score. I think he's got to evolve into a point guard at his size because with it's hard to play defense if you're gonna in this league if you're going to have a six-one-six-two off guard, and an undersized point guard with Brunson as well. I think it would be very, very challenging defensively with that lineup. Now, offensively, they'd be a lot more explosive. Uh, certainly, their three-point volume would go up. Uh, the ability to uh, attack the basket would be uh, much better. But if you look back at the other guy they paid big money to in Julius Randle, he's absolutely dominated the ball. And I think questions about how uh, Brunson and Randle fit together are legitimate. I think questions about how Brunson, Mitchell, Randle, Barrett would fit together with all being like dominant uh, ball handling type of guys. And can they fit together and do they complement each other? I think those would be all legitimate questions. Uh, the talent level certainly would be up, but the fit, I think, remains to be seen. Coach, if, if the Jazz do decide at the end of the day to move on from Mitchell, which team out there do you think would be the best fit? I, You know, I had not con- uh, contemplated that, but I think what you would like to do uh, Keyshawn is have a bigger point guard um, with him. So, like, let's just say, I'm I'm not saying he's a fit for Indiana, but to play with Halliburton, who's a bigger point guard, right? So defensively, you can have some more balance. Um, trying to play two undersized guards in this league with the wings at the size they are now. I mean, just look at, um, you know, in the finals. You know, you had Clay Thompson, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Andrew Wiggins, right? Those were the four wings, right? To, to compete against that at Mitchell's size is very challenging. That's why I think individually for him, I think he needs to try to evolve into a point guard. And that's not as much offensively because I think his decision-making has really improved over the course of his NBA career. Does it have another jump? Yeah, I think it does. But it's defensively, I think that would help him and that would help the team. And obviously, when I say that, that makes it such that I don't know if the Knicks are the right exact fit for him. 
It's crazy. It, like they, they just can't. My whole life, coach, they just can't get it right. E- even when you were there and you have Patrick Ewing, they needed to bring in one guy who could score who wasn't Patrick Ewing. Love John Starks. But it just seems like the franchise is stuck and in a situation where they are, they feel forced to make desperate moves and create the island of misfit toys, and this just it's rinse and repeat every three or four years. New regime, same thing. Then they get fired. They do the same thing. They're afraid Dolan will lose patience. They 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 make a panic move. Would this be a panic move if they gave up the farm for Donovan Mitchell? Well, I don't know if there's a farm to give up. <laughs> like, who's the farm? <laughs> the garden. <laughs> Yeah, I don't no, know, like draft I mean, like, picks and quickly and whatever young player you might like. Uh, I, I think Sims is uh, has got potential, you know, like just got young, interesting pieces yeah, of draft picks. but I'm going to say this. Uh, listen, if they want any of the centers, they could have them. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, you can yeah, find, yeah. like, rim-rolling centers. In yeah. fact, I, I think too many teams are paying too much money for just, Guys, you can find for a lot less. By the way, like and the I Knicks think, with Mitchell Robinson, right? They have Sims on the on the team who they could develop, and they just paid for a center. Yeah, yeah, and and they got Hartenstein, who I really really like. I thought that, that was a great signing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think in general, like part of their issue uh, salary wise or decision wise last summer is when they committed to Noel um, and Walker and. You know, really, they none of the decisions worked out exceptionally well. So this summer, it's imperative that, you know, Mitchell Robinson outperform his $15 million contract, which is going to be hard to do. And, you know, Brunson played very well, which I expect him to do. You know, I, I, listen, I don't think any of the assets they would give up for Mitchell from a player standpoint would prohibit me from doing that, whether it, it really doesn't matter who. Randall, Barrett, like, yeah, you can have I'm him. for, I don't think that's the problem. It's, it's does Mitchell, when he gets here, from a talent standpoint, and Brunson, who you just committed to, do they fit together? Like, that's what you have to try to determine. The coach, Jeff Van Gundy, is joining us this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Coach, the other team across the river, I think that's what you guys say in New York, Max. Um, Kevin Durant seems as though he won't be moving on to Phoenix as many people had thought because of the DeAndre Ayton news. Is it better for KD to go back and, I guess, stay with the Nets until such due time that he could be moved, especially in January? Or does he play throughout the season? Or what should the Nets do in this situation with KD? Well, I think I would not even presume to know what's best uh, in Durant's mind for himself. But I do think for the Nets, you're not going to most likely get what they want right now uh, for Durant. And so I think it's very probable that he comes back and he is, he's the headliner along with Irving and hopefully a healthy Simmons and a healthy Joe Harris. You know, if they get healthy, they're going to be right back in the mix to play for it all. Like, they're that good. Last year, everybody points to they got swept by 
you know, Boston, and they did. And Boston obviously did a great job in that series. But those games were close. You know, game one, Tatum makes the layup at the buzzer. I mean, yeah, no Joe Harris. Rant, no, they were they did not yeah. have a team really. Yeah, no, and I I just think like to me, I think the Nets are are going to be smart. I think they're tr- trying to get this home run deal. I don't think that's going to occur, and. If it doesn't, I think, you know, Durant is, to me, this is, I, I think this is a difference about him. He loves basketball. There, To me, from what I've seen and observed in my time watching him, being around him at the Olympics, like this isn't a guy who's going to pout his way through a season or give less than his best. I think his pride in his own game uh, his loyalty to his his teammates, I I, I think he, he would play exceptionally well no matter where he plays because that's who he is and that's who he's always been. So if I was the Nets, I would not be uh, concerned at all if I didn't get the exact deal I want, bringing him back as the headliner to make a championship run. You know, Coach, that's the thing that scares me, and I was going to ask you, it scares me because when you have a talented player or two, like a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving, who both seem to be on the trading block, that they would have to go back and play for an organization that one requested a trade, according to his representatives, another one just is kind of bizarre all over the place in Kyrie, that they would now have to go back in the building and play. I always question I know you want to play and you you love doing and playing ball, but how much of your heart is really in it? And does the coach trust that you're doing and the organization trust that you're doing everything possible? And as a coach, will that affect your approach, not knowing really? Well, it's certainly you want to have the feeling amongst your group as you look to your team each and every day that we're tied together and that we're trying to accomplish something bigger than ourselves. There's no question. And I think there is also no question that the way today has evolved or the game has evolved is that there's a lot more uh, jumping around team to team. And there can be some uncomfortable situations that you have to deal with. And I think this certainly would be uncomfortable to start training camp. Uh, and there would be a lot of questions about commitment and resolve. And are you still looking to trade or do you still want to get traded? But at the end of the day, if you start the season off and you're winning, a lot of those things recede. I think we all forget last year, even with the craziness of the Kyrie Irving situation, In the middle of January, the Nets had the best record in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. And then when Durant went down with his injury, coupled with Kyrie's unavailability, they cratered, right? And then they had a, you know, bad first round matchup against the Celtics, right? But they're a team that if you look at them, you know, Simmons. Durant, Irving, <laughs> Harris, 
Seth Curry, Joe Harris. I mean, come yeah. on. They got a lot. A lot. They just weren't available. Uh, all right. The great exactly. Jeff Van Gundy. Could, Jeff, yeah, they uh, could win the Eastern Conference. Oh, listen. People are forgetting they were waxing Milwaukee the year Milwaukee won the chip without James Harden. <laughs> Even the game they lost to Milwaukee when they were up 2-1, they played good defense, right? Like, I, th- there's a lot there if they could just get on the same page. Jeff Van Gundy, ladies and gentlemen, thanks, Coach. Thanks for hopping on this morning. All right, take care. Right, Keyshawn J. Willemax, presented by Progressive Insurance. Cowboys, Chargers, Dolphins. Which one of these teams would you want to coach if you had the choice? 888-SAY-ESPN. We'll talk about that next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Nate Silver has a book, um, the, something, The Signal and the Noise. There's a lot of noise. Stats are just noise. What's the signal? What's the story they're telling you, right? What's the important message? Key, I saw a signal <laughs> stat from, about Shohei Otani. I think it was like 29 games, Okay. He struck out something like 60-plus dudes or 70-plus dudes in under 50 innings in over a stretch of 29 games as a starter with an ERA <clears throat> under half a run. Half a run. .47 or something, right? Like just you cannot pitch better ever anyone in history than what he's been pitching per inning. I mean, they used to pitch no, longer. No, no question. That's why. But wait, Key, that's not the end of it. Same stretch. 400 on base, 600 slugging with eight home runs. That's what makes it crazy. He's basically the MVP at the plate and the Cy Young on the hill. It's crazy. I wonder if he can win both. That'd be nuts. I mean, like people have done that as pitchers. They've won the MVP and the Cy Young. But as no, a- but could he win? I guess could he win? The MVP Cy Young and the batting crown yeah. or title or whatever the hell like you silver call it, slugger or whatever yeah yeah something at the plate something yeah. at the plate he MVP could. Cy Young and then whatever is the highest honor at the plate it, I wonder if he could do that I I mean I, I it's it's unbelievable this stretch he's having and then you think Mike Trout since he's been in the like nah, Mike Trout I'm so tired of y'all talking but, about Mike but Trout, Mike Trout 
is going to wind up in an argument as, as among the greatest I, I, players I just, ever. He might I, be I can't, like, though, but, but, Max, but, I know, but I can't. But the bottom line is, every year since he's twenty years old, he's the best player in the world. Every year since he's twenty years, like at a certain mm. point, you know, you realize if it was fair, he'd have five or six MVPs. As it is, I think he has three. But what, but, but what makes him the best player? Tell oh, me what makes him the best it's a, player. It's the overall package. He plays center field, not a corner outfield position. He plays gold glove caliber center field. He runs the bases at, at top levels. He came into the league, stole 50 bases, and barely ever got caught. Doesn't make outs on the base pass. He draws walks. He hits home runs. He hits for a very high batting average. It's the total package. It's, it's so crazy. many. It's so many people that play well in center field, run the bases well. But not all like him, runs. Though. But it's so many, and, and they just dub him as the best player no, ever. No, just, no, no. Key, if I it, can't. Key, if you win an MVP, that's one thing. When he doesn't win MVP, the MVP, second place, second place, first place, second place, first place, fourth, second place, first place. They got both these guys they can't win. Keyshawn, J. Willemax, ESPN Radio. We were just arguing during extra content about Mike Trout. He led the league in on-base percentage as a gold-glove caliber center fielder four consecutive years, slugging three years surrounding those four years. He's unbelievable. And then Tani, too, and boy, baseball's not the kind of sport where the two best players ever. You could have the two best players ever on your team in their primes at the same time, and you might not be good, right? Because you need to pitch, you need a bullpen, you need so many things in baseball. And there's no quarterback. There's no, like, one guy. There's no... There's no LeBron James who can come you know, in and I, help I, you. I get, I get it, but when you start telling me Mike Trout is the best to ever do, I, I, I just, I just can't for my money. Look, Believe I'll say in that I, I, I get the statistics and analytics and the home runs and running the bases and deep center field and Gold Glove. I understand all of those individual accolades. but the one that's missing is lifting up your team. I don't think a position player can. I don't think, like, I think you have to be, it's so, it's not like in football, every play runs through the quarterback. In basketball, you have a superstar, Giannis, LeBron, so many of your plays you can run through him. In baseball, you got four times, you're going to, maybe five if you're lucky, you're going to come to the plate. That's it. That's what, that's what you can do. And if there's no one on base, there's no one on base. So let me ask you this, though. How could a guy like Barry Bonds Mm -hmm. take his team to a World Series? Because first of all, they had a great team, and secondly, Barry did they Bonds. Have a great team? Did they have a great team because they had a great team, or did they have a great team because certain person was the foundation and the leader in the clubhouse to the point where people followed to a whole nother level? No, no. no. Well, re- here's the real answer. Barry Bonds was already. Mike Trout, but he didn't play center field. Trout's better than a prime b- before the juice. Trout is better than Bonds before <laughs> the juice because because you know because he plays center basically. But they're very similar players in a lot of ways. Trout righty, Bonds lefty. When ju- when Bonds jumped on the juice, he became the most unstoppable allegedly, offensive force. Allegedly, key when he was thirty six years old, suddenly. He became twice as good as he ever was before. Dwight <laughs> and his forehead Make doubled sure in size. Make sure we always say <laughs> allegedly. allegedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about a 609, not slugging percentage, on base percentage for <laughs> It's ridiculous. But anyway, the thing about Trout that's amazing to me is his whole career, he's either winning the MVP or coming in second. Like all the greats. Right, they win an MVP. They they're great, so they're going to be a top ten finish. They're eighth. They're seventh. Maybe they win two. He's already won three MVPs and come in second three or four times. Like it's just ridiculous. And Otani too. Otani's doing stuff 
we have never seen before. But anyway, well, look, let's talk some football. You ready to talk some football? Yeah, I can talk football, baseball, soccer, uh, hockey, wrestling, mm-hmm. water polo. Raising kids. Golf, raising kids. Yeah. Uh, dinner. Squash. You could talk handball, dinner. Yeah. dinner. You should see it all. You should see Key debone a fish like a pro, (laughs) boy. So funny, like a pro. I deboned a fish. Yo, you deboned it like like a like a chef. Well, you gotta check me out on Netflix if you're bored this weekend. Netflix, what's it called? Uh, Iron Chef. It's oh, uh, you were on Iron Chef. Yeah, Iron Chef on Netflix. All right, I'm gonna uh, actually watch that. It's the tailgate battle. Tailgate battle. Got it. Keyshawn J. Willemax, presented by Progressive Insurance. Miami Story Herald has Sean Payton linked to the Cowboys, Chargers, Dolphins, and Dolphins. Everyone's talking, like focusing on the Cowboys for obvious reasons, but Chargers and Dolphins. Jeff Darlington said there's only one team that makes sense for Sean Payton in 2023. Listen to this. Mike McDaniel's going to come in, and if he is successful to it, that job is safe. Brandon Staley, seemingly like he's doing a really good job with the Chargers as well, so that job feels safe. The Cowboys feels anything but safe. Sean Payton's name will be attached to that every single time the Cowboys lose a game. Sorry, Mike McCarthy. That's just the reality you're now living in. Yeah, that, that and, and Jeff Darlington is 100% right that his name is going to pop every single time. Mike McDaniel, that job, to me, in my personal opinion, is not as good as the Dallas Cowboys job, and the Dallas Cowboys job is not as good or as great as the Charger job. So I understand Brandon Staley seems like he's doing okay. But when you know you put a team together that has Super Bowl aspirations, they have a Super Bowl roster. You can go from top to bottom. There are not five teams in this league with a better roster than the Chargers. There's not five teams. Give me five teams with a better roster than the Chargers. And if the Chargers and Brandon Staley don't do something – spectacular this year, I'm betting my money that as we get into November and December that we start to hear Sean Payton's name more and more attached to the Chargers than the Miami Dolphins or the Dallas Cowboys. The best quarterback of the group, the best roster of the group, and I, I love Miami. Dallas, I get it, I get it. The warm weather city, the whole thing. Best locations also L.A. You got the location. You got ties with coaching staff. You got the best quarterback. You got the best roster. You have the lowest expectations, like the most upside. I, Chargers are the job to me. Did the Pacers throw a wrench into a potential KD trade? We're going to talk about that next. Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.